Witch Hat Chats, a magical myth entertainment production, hosted by Miss Nikki Kirby, co-hosted by Saul Ravencraft, sponsored by Ever Moving Lee Rise and Moonlight Potions and Charms, executive producer. Nikki Kirby. Welcome to our holiday edition of Witch Hat Chats. Come on in and sit for our spell. We're sponsored by Ever Moving We Rise, Moonlight Posters and Charms, and Soul Ravencraft, Wizard for Hire. I am your goddess host, Miss Nikki Kirby, and our co-host, Saul Ravencraft, is around here somewhere. Come on out, Saul. Where are you at? Here I am, Nikki. How are you doing today? I am great. Well, glad to and hear it. And dressed up as Santa Claus. I've been doing a lot of that uh, here in December. Uh, it's one of the, the fun things I get to do. I bet. And getting to be with all those kids, too. It, well, it is, yeah. Uh, my uh, my first Santa was, uh, was on the 2nd, and that was for a private holiday party. Um, uh, to give you an idea of the kind of holiday party, uh, it was in a private neighborhood, and they had valet parking. Uh, so that was uh, that was one of those kinds of gatherings, and uh, people doing their their holiday spirit in their own way, uh, kind of a different stratosphere. But that was fun. And then in contrast, uh, a day or so later. Uh, I was uh, at Sam's Club in San Antonio, where I saw hundreds of people during the day uh, from just all kinds of, of demographics, and uh, and all enjoying the idea of Christmas and Santa and and the festivals of light. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. These are all festivals of light, and uh, they're all about the same idea: uh, renewal and and moving forward, and the uh, the sun returning, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, they they just look at it through different lenses. Yep, yep, yep. Ah, so happy holidays to everyone out there, because we have at least fourteen different holidays between November and January. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So, where did they park their sleigh at? I'm curious. Um, I don't know exactly where it was. Uh, they they said it was going to be parked far away, uh, but it was kind of fun because when it was time for me to leave the party, uh, they saw me coming. They knew it was Santa's car, so <laughs> there was no trouble with that. They just automatically uh automatically brought it up i didn't really even have to wait so that was fun uh and strangely enough i also have uh several events uh during this month where i'm doing readings for events 
you wouldn't think that people would be looking at that as part of a holiday party, but uh, a lot of people do enjoy that. And it gives, especially for situations where you're bringing people together that don't necessarily work together uh, directly, but they're all part of the same company, uh, it gives them something to talk about uh, where uh, it kind of breaks the ice there. Yeah, readings do do that, don't they? Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, should, I, should I check the door? Yeah, I think there's somebody at the door. I do think there's someone at the door. Well, looky here. It's the author of The Evil Eye, The History, Mystery, and Magic of the Quiet Curse, Antonio Pagliarulo. Good to have you here. How are you today, Antonio? Hello, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing well from uh, chilly New York City. Did people just murder your name? Yeah, that I got used to that uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty early in life. I was, uh, you know, born here in New York City, but uh, my parents, you know, from Italy. So in the home, in our home, we spoke Italian, and that was easy, you know, to to say my name. But elsewhere, yeah, it was just always chopped up. Still is. Well, and and I feel like I even did a kind of a, an Americanized version of that. That's not the, the true pronunciation of your name, is it? Well, the true pronunciation, the G really is silent. So you pronounce it Pagliarulo, but uh -huh. here in, in the States, it's always pronounced Pagliarulo. And either, you know, it's fine. I answered uh, to both names and I, I like them both. Did you hear that little roll of the R that he did? That's so sexy. I love that. Thank you. I didn't know if I was it. Thank you. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I did. I don't hear it anymore. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Well, welcome. Uh, now, you you have come to us all the way from New York. Is that New York City? It's Manhattan. I, yep. And you'll probably hear sirens. Oh, there's one now. <laughs> there's one now. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, right in the heart of Manhattan is uh, where I live. I put most of my adult life actually here in Manhattan. Well, that's okay. It's all right to keep it lively. <laughs> that, that it is, the concrete jungle. That it is. So do you gentlemen want to hear the divination for, for today? Oh, yeah. All right. So our tea divination for today and today's tea is ginger tea with um, lemon. And our divination today comes from Sylvia Path, who wrote the book called The Bell Jar. And I quote, I shut my eyes and all the world drops dead. I lift my eyes and all is born again. So, gentlemen... What does that mean? Well, go ahead, Antonio. You know, my immediate thought is that it it gives you the power, gives you your gives your you the power in a moment to sort of change your thinking or change your perception or change the way you look at things. If you take a moment and ground yourself and shut your eyes, you know that moment maybe that that you weren't in sync with or that you didn't like you know as she said is dead and then when you open your eyes 
things become different. You can see things different. It's alive again. So that's what I took from that. Yeah, no, I, I like that perspective. Uh, I guess the, the slight difference that I have on that is, is that that's a, that's a two, that's a two edged thing that you can, you can shield yourself from what is distracting or oppressing or or keeping you from from having the vibration that you want by simply closing your eyes and and sending it away so to speak uh, but also that that if we close our eyes that we're missing what's in front of us and I know that a lot of people will look at things through their own bubble uh, through their own lens and they won't pay attention to what is happening, what they're being shown. They don't necessarily listen uh, to what's happening. They're not mindful of what's in front of them. And uh, you can you can miss stuff that you need to see if you turn inward all the time. So it's it's an incredible power to be able to control that lens, uh, but you you have to experience both the outward and the inward. Yes, the inward. Yeah, you really hit that on the head, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's actually a combination of both of what you both said. Um because the thing about it is when you shut your eyes and the world drops dead, you're actually kind of taking a step back and just meditating in a way. And you're restarting your mind, you're restarting your day, and you're restarting your point of view. Because aren't we all doing that? Each and every morning when we go to sleep, we don't think of anything, or at least we're trying not to think of anything when we go to sleep. And when we wake up, hopefully we had a good night's sleep, and we're refreshed. So it's a new day. And whatever we do, we can make that new day whatever we want. That's what magic's all about, right? That is it's taking something that we want to do and manifest it into something that we want. Very much so. Very much so. A lot of power in that. Well, that was deep. <laughs> yeah. We get there sometimes. <laughs> It is what magic is about, yeah. So, Antonio, I'm guessing that your book raises a few eyebrows. <laughs> it depends. Uh, it's it's raised a few eyebrows. Um, uh, people have, uh, in general, people have responded really positively to it. I've, I'm very overwhelmed by the response. Um, I'm still overwhelmed by, you know, emails and uh, people who reach out from through my website or through social media. Um, it's been a really, really wonderful experience. But yes, some people, um, yeah, it's been raised eyebrows. Some people have said, um, I, I wasn't familiar really that much with the evil eye, uh, or I've heard of it sort of, you know, in my in the periphery. Uh, and yet now, you know, you gave it this sort of um definition in a way you should have sort of defined it more clearly and then other people have said you know i've i've never heard of it and then some people have looked at certain 
uh, chapters of the book and I had more questions about it. So it's definitely um, brought up the questions. Yeah. And, and raised eyebrows. Sure. Sure. There, there are a lot of people in the magical community that are, are squeamish about the idea of cursing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a conversation I have a lot with people uh, because they, they've gotten this idea that any time that you get involved in that side of magic, that you're, you're, you're eating away at your soul. Um, and the way I look at it is there are some times when you have to step in front and you have to be willing to draw your sword. And if you see someone there that's helpless, what are you going to do? Step aside and go, Oh, not in the face, not in the face. Uh, no, you, you gotta, you gotta do something. And, uh, is it, is it safe to draw your sword? Well, of course it isn't, <laughs> but, but who else is going to do it? And, and so that's the way I came to terms with the concept of cursing is it's just like any form of aggression. Sometimes you have to, to turn it onto something that's, that's the big bad. And, and if you don't, then you have to stand by and watch someone else be hurt. Uh, uh, but, and, and that, that helped turn it all for me. You know, sometimes you just got to step in front. Um, well, you know, the thing about it is a lot of people think that magic should be sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows coming out of unicorns' asses. Okay? It's not. It's not. It really isn't. And then they go with this Wiccan read shit. And I'm sorry. No. No, 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 no. Okay? It's like you're standing there, and if somebody's going to hit you, what are you going to do? You going to stand there and let them hit you? I wouldn't. Are you going to duck, or are you going to defend yourself? Right. There's your question. If somebody's got a gun and they're going to shoot you, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand there and get shot? Really? And then they're going to shoot you again. Are you going to stand there and let them shoot you again? Are you going to stand there and let them hit you again? Really? Come on. It's, it's about consequences. If it's worth the price, you pay it. Also, the reaction, our natural reaction, as you said, when someone's coming at you, you know, uh, in an attack mode, if someone's just charging at you, your physical reaction is to, you know, defend yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and that aspect, of course, has been brought up because I have a whole chapter on that in the book. I think it's the last chapter. And the idea of, of cursing many people do think it's it's gotten this idea that oh you know you're you're but first of all anyone who wants to if you if you want to go on a, a safe and you know straight sort of um easy path a magical path is not that um right. it's, it's not going to do that for you um but i always think of the idea if someone comes in and is going to sort of you know drop this bomb into your life or send you negativity or send you a cur or curse or anything like that, um, you know, what does it ultimately do? It creates uh, imbalance and, and disharmony in your life. And I think when you react, when you respond, when you defend yourself, when you put up your shield, when you send it back, whichever way you want to handle it, in my mind, it's not so much, you know, a, um, casting a curse, sending this. Um, in my mind, the ultimate 
reaction, the ultimate result is that you are restoring balance to your own life or to the lives of your loved ones or to the lives of the people who might have been victimized by something. So that's really energetically for me, what I've always thought of it as you're restoring that balance. And um, yeah, you, you sometimes you do have to draw your sword. And, you know, we draw our swords in so many areas of life. We defend ourselves in so many ways every single day, and we just don't think about it. But you are defending yourself. You know, listen, that's, that's just the way it is. This is part of the human condition. We do have to defend ourselves in many ways. Um, and it's it's really no different when you're speaking to the magical practitioner or you're talking about magic. It's, it's necessary sometimes to defend yourself. So um, for our audience that doesn't understand about the evil eye, because I do, um, can you explain to them exactly how does it work? Sure. Sure. So the evil eye, it's a very, very old concept, um, goes back thousands of years. The evil eye is negative energy, it's painful energy, and it is cast through a glance, a look, and it is, it's defined basically in three ways. First, it can be fully intentional. Someone can come up to you or just look at you from across the room. They give you that dirty look. They stare you down. They let you know, you know, I don't like you. Um, or I'm unhappy now. The, I should say, if I before I give you the three ways, the energy of the evil eye is born from emotion. It's born from envy, resentment, greed, um, jealousy. This is really what the evil eye is about. So the first, someone's looking at you um, and they're letting you know they don't think you should, you know, be living your best life. They don't think they don't like that you got that new job. They don't like that you're in that good relationship. They don't like that it appears there's more money in your bank account than theirs. Um, and they let you know that's 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 envy, and that's the evil eye being cursed intention being sent intentionally. The second way is unintentionally, and this is where you get into um, the little, as I call them, the little rituals that happen after. I grew up with the evil eye, you know, just from day one. So I was taught whenever you give a compliment, you either had to. Um, do a hand gesture, Italian, and it's very common in Italy and Italian families, you do these, you know, hand gestures, the horns, um, or you say, you know, oh, you know, the house is beautiful, God bless you, the baby's beautiful, God bless it, God bless him, God bless her, God, you know, um, the, the car is great, God bless. You always follow a compliment with, with either a gesture um, or some sort of a God bless you or knock on wood or something like that. In Italy, a lot of times when I was a kid, we'd spend time in Italy and people would compliment you. You'd turn around and spit um, because that was a way of negating or just sort of sending away an unintentional evil eye because sometimes you really might not have um, any envy or resentment for a person or a situation that is conscious that you know is right up here that you're really aware of but maybe deep down you do have a little bit of that and so it's an unintentional casting and that's when somebody says you know god bless the third way you can bring the evil life on you is through boasting you bring it upon yourself this goes huge huge issue because especially now in the days of social media and instagram and and you know growing up i was taught um you you know you want to talk about something and say, you know, you got that good grade or you got the new toy, you know, you, you did it very lightly. Um, you didn't draw a lot of attention to yourself. Um, and that was because if you drew too much attention to yourself, you would sort of poke the eye. You would tempt fate. Someone was going to say, oh, look at him, you know, flashing around in that 
you know, car, this, that, always talking. That's basically um, how you bring it upon yourself in, in a third way. You just keep boasting. You know, instead of posting those 50 pictures, maybe you just need to post two on Instagram. Um, yeah, stop talking about that vacation that hasn't happened yet. Um, this is the way you have to be mindful of that. And um, before we continue, uh, let's take a quick break and listen to our amazing sponsors. And we will be right back. Anybody can tell you what is on a tarot or oracle card. What matters is seeing beyond what others may not be able to see and help the client to uncover what lies in the mist. What do readings from Moonlight Potions and Charms do? Wednesday, I did this ancestor reading and it was an amazing reading. And it was a detailed reading. And I remember talking to this customer's ancestors and it was so delightful and he wanted some questions to be answered about the magic in his family because he didn't know and his family was mostly like most of our families are you know how everything is like hush hush when it comes to the magic in his family and he wanted to know who can he actually talk to about the history of the magic in his family and i was able to give him specifically who he can go to to talk to about that what particular deity he can actually go to to be able to help him with this and it was just an amazing reading and, and talking to his ancestors they were such a delight and they told me so much about this customer it was just an absolutely wonderful wonderful reading for him and i was just so happy to be able to give him this wonderful reading it's really amazing to be able to give people these readings these products that's really going to help them and be able to give back to the community because this is what moonlight posters and charms is about we want to help you to embrace the power of your own magic that is what we are all about is to help you to do that book now and allow our wonderful staff to take care of your spiritual reading needs. And there is so much more in our Wicked store to help you to embrace the power of your own magic. So come on in to Moonlight Potions and Charms at www.moonlightpotionscharms.com and discover the wicked things that ignite the magical passion in you. I'm Soul Ravencraft co-host of Witch Hat Chats. I understand just how confusing and chaotic it can be to open to a path of magic and manifestation. Everything seems to turn on its head. I want to be an ally as you find the way upon your path. My studio setup will let us do readings, coaching, and exploration virtually, just as though you were sitting across the table from me. One size does not fit all, and we will work together to craft the right approaches to build your practice, your confidence, and your power 
using the tools of divination, magical works, and spirit connections. It's never too late to embrace a new path and emerge empowered. Go to TexasMojoMan.com and select Contact to begin. There's a message now. Let's get started working on your very good fortune. Have you wondered what spirituality is? Spirituality is limitless, as it does not contain any boundaries on beliefs or practices. Spirituality's most important component is personal experience and allows one to explore it freely. Every Moving We Rise is a spiritual moving tradition, as our name is our lifestyle because we are persistently rising and moving forward. We realize that everyone's spiritual journey is extremely personal, but more easily traveled with reinforcement. We'll teach you to become friends with your shadow, emerge your authentic self, and give you time and space to develop your own spirituality. And when situations bump back, you'll have the entire community behind you as we are a magical family who work to sustain each other. Discover the benefits of working within a society dedicated to helping you grow on your personal path. Visit us on our website, Linktree, or Facebook page and discover why we don't fit in the box. Welcome back to Witch Hat Chats. I am Saul Ravencraft. I'm here with Miss Nikki Kirby and Antonio Pagliarulo. Uh, so glad to be here. So, you know, we've, we've talked about the nature of the evil eye. Is there kind of a, a gradation here? Is there sort of the, the mildly irritated eye that we start with and work our way up? Or uh, t tell us more about uh, the, the variety of what's going on here. So the variety, it's, as I said earlier, it's a very, very old concept. It's so ubiquitous. Um, so many cultures, so many religions. The And it's, but the same thing is I always tell people that the book I've written is a friendly reminder about a very unfriendly topic. Um, a lot of people don't like to discuss jealousy and they don't like to discuss envy. Um, and it's funny, the evil eye is born, it, it's considered or thought of as a supernatural concept, right? Because it's this energy that's being emitted from the eyes or from a glance, and it's negative energy, and it's going to have its effect, its impact on someone's life. So that's a, a supernatural concept. And yet, it is born from a very natural uh, source, our emotions. So everyone has experienced jealousy. Okay, you've either experienced jealousy, whether or not you want to admit it, you've been jealous of someone or something, you've been envious, you've been resentful, you've been angry, uh, or you've been on, and not, or I should say, and you've been on, probably been on the receiving end of someone else's negativity, someone else's anger, someone else's resentment. And you know what it's like, you know, you know, you understand the, the sting of that, that energy. So I think that's why it, it sort of transcends just the idea of magical practice, because so many cultures, it's it's remained alive uh, out of so many superstitions over thousands of years. The evil eye has never gone on anywhere. It's always been around. It's not going anywhere. It's ingrained in so many cultures and in so many people and in so many ways. And it can manifest also 
you know, uh, in so many ways. Growing up, as I told you, in, in a very, very Italian household, you know, if you got sick, you know, that was, you know, yeah, maybe you did have a flu or maybe you did have a cough or maybe you did were having allergies. But if that wasn't the case, it was immediately sort of, you know what, it, it's, this is the evil eye at work. And then, you know, certain rituals were done to diagnose it, detect it, and then to remove it. But it wasn't only... Um, health or or physical things you're you know listen your car breaking down the the burst pipe in the basement um you've fallen four times this week you lost your keys you got into a fight with four people you don't usually fight with these are all things there are these are all signs and symptoms in life that happen um and yeah listen everybody experiences bad luck what we call bad luck uh, now and then but a series of unfortunate events of all of those things that happened to you in the course of a week or two, that's kind of suspicious. That's kind of strange. Uh, and that's when you start looking about, you need to start looking around and thinking about the evil eye. And I've interviewed countless people who have told me, you know, who, who opened up about their stories and who said, this is what's, you know, this is what happened to me. And, um, you know, you just, you think about it and you start to, if you, if you allow yourself to think about it, you can understand that the emotions have power. Our emotions have power. Now, some of what you talked about uh, earlier on, uh, the the ideas of dealing with anger and envy and all of that sort of thing, sounds a lot more uh, like like shadow work, really. I think it becomes shadow work if you're willing to do the work. But, you know, many people, um, you know, you experience anger and jealousy, and it's not something that people want to acknowledge in themselves. Not everyone wants to, to go that way and say, why does this make me so angry? Why does this person's success or this person's happiness, why does that rub me the wrong way? Why does it make me envious? That's, that's a point of, you know, shadow work of getting into, but you have to be willing to take those steps. Right. Right. Is it now? Do the different colors mean different things? Different colors mean the beads. Yeah, like um, I have seen different. Um, I have seen them in different colors. Like some yeah. have been in red, and then there's blue, and then I've even seen pink and all kinds of different colors. There are, and I give a rundown of some bead colors in the book. Um, sometimes for uh, virility red for love life pink for um finances or luck it could be green but i give a pretty thorough rundown in the book of what the beads mean and even though you know the the bead itself is its own amulet but yes they more and more they've had different colors to represent really specific things because the evil eye can um attack someone in any area you know it's not only just this general thing of oh i have a headache or the car broke out it can go right toward your financial life if someone's really envious of you know all the money you're making or or those events the investments are working out well that can evil eye can manifest there someone's talking about you know that house that you live in and it can manifest there so there are different colors and, and as we know as any, any practitioner will tell you that different colors have different powers mm -hmm. and can the evil eye actually be a protection 
So the interesting thing, a lot of people will say like what you're wearing on your wrist, okay? A lot of people will say, oh, I'm putting on my eagle eye jewelry. But in fact, you're actually not putting on your eagle eye jewelry, you're putting on an azar. If it's the circle, you know, the blue, the white, the blue, you know, the black dot, that it looks like an eye. That's the most common symbol that you people will find or, or see or wear. And that is called the nazar. Um, and I I make a point of, of telling people that are writing about it. Um, I don't like to say I'm putting on my evil eye jewelry because I don't want to put on the evil eye. I want it away from me. But it's become just a part of speech. People will, will call that the evil eye. In fact, that amulet is called the nazar, just the same as the hand amulet is called the hamsa. So when you're putting it on for protection, when you're when you're wearing the amulet that you're wearing or hanging, most often is the Nazar. So when we talk about the evil eye, uh, it seems that a lot of your uh, a lot of your book is is about helping people to understand the nature of the evil eye, that it's not just a superstition that there is some resonance that goes on with this and then getting into the idea of how to protect yourself how to restore balance um, is there an area where you you get into the idea of if you got to use the evil eye <laughs> here's what you do or is that not something that you prefer to share or is it something people do without needing to know I think some people do do it without knowing um, they're doing it, but I do have a chapter in the book, yes, about how to cast the evil eye uh, and the steps you take to, number one, to ground yourself appropriately, but then to to go ahead and do that. And th there are examples of it. I think, you know, we've spoke, we spoke about that a little briefly earlier, but there are situations where I believe it's necessary. If you feel unsafe, if someone really is targeting you, um, yeah, you could learn to use it as defensive magic. And, and, you know, as we know, that's, you know, magic itself, like a lot of, we, we hear as magical practitioners, well, someone can heal, but then they can hex. It's the other side of the spectrum. You know, the energy is energy. It depends on how you use it. Um, energy, you know, never dies. It just changes form. So if in fact you want to wear an amulet uh, or do a specific ritual or prayer to dispel the evil eye to send it away your 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 intention is what matters you're using your energy to send it away to deflect it to you know make sure it's gone from your life or your intention is to take that same energy you know because it's just the same energy but you're using it in a different way and in that case you are you can cast the eye yes what led you to want to cover this topic? Was there a personal experience or something that, that made you realize that the world needs to know more about this? So I, it goes back to, to childhood. Um, I grew up in, in the Bronx in um, a very you know typical sort of two-family house. We lived upstairs. My grandparents lived downstairs. And they uh, were immigrants from Italy. My parents are immigrants from Italy. And we grew up with the evil eye everywhere. My grandmother uh, knew how to, you know, detect the evil eye. And you would walk into her, you know, her house, down, her apartment downstairs, and there were bowls of water everywhere, usually. Um, and she, you know, the olive oil and watching her, you know, she, people would call her. People would come to the door from everywhere in the neighborhood. They would call her from different parts 
and say, you know, this is what's happening. Can you see if this, if, you know, malocchio, which is the evil eyes, is present? So I grew up with it, and it was just a very natural part of my life. I didn't know it was so common in other cultures and places until I got to high school because I went to a very, very small private Catholic school. And, you know, not many, we wore the, you know, I wore the the cordino, you know, the, the horn. Many people have seen it. I, I mentioned the amulets in the book as well. I wore that. Um, that's a very much in, in, in Italian folk magic. Uh, it's one of the popular am, amulets or the mano cornuta, which is the, you know, the horns there. And other Italian kids wore the same thing. But um, we thought, I certainly I thought it was just something that was, you know, in my own sort of little world. Then I went to high school and I went to a very large public high school here in Manhattan. And um, that's when I started to have friends who were not anything like me. They were different religions and cultures. And, you know, one day somebody mentioned something about what basically was the evil eye. He said something to sort of ward it away. And I was like, what is that for? And he said, oh, well, that's so, you know, someone's jealousy or envy doesn't, doesn't, you know, give me bad grades or, or make my project sink. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, you, you know what that's about. Like, and, and it was this awakening sort of thing that this concept was so alive and so well, and, uh, in in every part of the world. And then of course, for years, um, I, I've i always been a writer, I've always been a researcher. And um, it's just, I always say that it sort of was the foundation for my life as, as a magical practitioner, because I was so familiar with it early on. And then learning how, you know, to Detect it, learning the rituals, learning the prayers, learning the incantations and these things. It's just been, a, it's always been a very, very powerful um, part of, of my life. And I was very surprised, you know, there really aren't many books about the evil eye out there. Many have been, you know, so there are many academic papers, there are studies done on it, but a book that deals with the magic of it um, is, is really had not been done. Um, recently, at least. So I thought, you know what? I think it's a good idea. I think more and more people need to know about it. And and being someone who had always been sort of open about it, it was so common throughout the years. It still is very common for people to call me, text me to say, this is going on. Do I have it? Do I have it? Is this is what's going on? And, um, you know, doing readings and things like that, I've always loved it. Um, and I, you could see the effect I've seen what happens, not only in my own life, I've seen it personally in my own life, taking it off. Um, I've seen it in other people's lives. So I really wanted to just write a book that looked at it from this sort of global perspective and also included the spells and rituals and the prayers and sort of the, the um, well, the magical aspect, the helping aspect of it. So, okay, my question is... When, um, okay, so when somebody casts the evil eye by somebody and they're wearing one, one of the amulets, mm -hmm. um, from what I understand, that amulet can only take the evil eye once and it's done. Is that right? 
No, that has not been my experience. An amulet, once you take an amulet, um, and it can be any amulet of your choosing, whether it's an Azar, a Hamsa, whether it's um, a Saint medal, whichever amulet, you form a relationship with that amulet energetically. And just like when people wear the same jewelry every day, you form a relationship with it. Um, an amulet is working for you until it takes a hit. And a lot of people have said to me over the years, oh, something bad must have happened because my amulet broke. Today, my hamsa cracked in half or I dropped it and it shattered on the floor or it was on the wall and it came crashing down or I noticed a crack in it. That's actually a positive thing. That means that your amulet has taken the hit um, and it actually, you know, sort of absorbed the negativity of the evil eye and that's why there's a crack in it. But if the amulet can, can work, for quite a while, you know, doesn't mean that if you have an amulet that's been on you for, you know, a year or two, and it's never cracked or anything like that, it doesn't mean that it isn't working, but it can very well deflect the eye. Uh, and this is where you get into different aspects of, of ritual or, or spells or prayers for the amulets themselves. But certainly, you can wear an amulet um, for as long as it stays on you without breaking. Okay. So what are some, you know, ridiculous things that you've heard that the evil eye can do? Oh, what are some ridiculous things? Well, I, you know, I give this long, I give a very long list of, of symptoms and signs in the book. And it can, it, for me, it can manifest in, in so many different ways in people's lives. It can manifest physically. Um, it can manifest, you know, like I said before, financially, you can have things break you you know i think silly things i don't i think that only happens i've had people who i've known people i should say who've been a little bit any whenever you get into any aspect of you know whatever it is whether it's magic spirituality when something becomes um you can't become fanatical about things um, and that goes back to the whole aspect when I tell people not to boast too much. There's a very fine line there. You know, you still want to celebrate your achievements. You want to celebrate the achievements of your loved ones. You want to be able to say, hey, look at what I achieved. Look at what my kid achieved. Look at what happened here. Um, but you don't need to sort of do it 24 hours a day and, and with 50 pictures or, or 50, you know, announcements of it. So you still want to live. You just want to live uh, mindfully and you want to do it with sort of a sense of, um, you know, you want, to, you want to do it calmly, but with a sense of awareness. You have to be aware of the evil eye at all times. But I think I had heard silly things. People have come to me over the years. It's mainly when I think people become too afraid of the, the idea that the evil eye is going to get them. And that's when a book like this, that's when rituals, that's when prayers, that's when these spells and that's when the magic becomes very, very important because it teaches you that you can learn how to deflect it. You can learn to say, oh, you know what? Um, I sort of felt your intuition get stronger. Your instincts get stronger. Um, I think the silly things I've heard, one, I mean, uh, once I, I remember someone said she thought she had had it because, uh, you know, her cooking she couldn't, something that she had always cooked a lot was just, it kept sort of coming out wrong and it wasn't working. And someone had done that. And I, I said, no, I don't think that's the case. And it actually ended up not being the case, but um, 
uh, people will get into all manner of things if they become too um, trapped in this idea that it's going to get them. And you don't get trapped in that idea once you learn about it, once you become aware of it. And then once you understand that you can take control of certain things, we're not in control of many things in our lives, but you can take control of protecting yourself spiritually and energetically. Well, thank you for that. And um, so where can our people be able to contact you? You can contact me on my website. Uh, it's my very simple name, AntonioPagliarulo.com. <laughs> um, it's also ItalianWitch.com. You can reach me through uh, either way. But I'm also on Instagram, uh, on Facebook. Um, and I, I do respond to um, emails and messages. Just give me a bit. I, the, the response has been really wonderful and overwhelming. And I thank everyone who reaches out to me. Um, but I do get to the emails. I absolutely do. Well, thank you so much, Antonio, for being on the show. And we do appreciate that. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> my pleasure. Thank you. All right. So that's all for our show today. So embrace your power, support your community, and keep your fuzzy babies, your family, friends, and yourself safe. And have an absolute magical week. And happy holidays, and we'll see you next year. You have been listening to Witch Hack Chat. Host, Miss Nikki Kirby. Co-host, Saul Ravencraft. Guest host, Antonio Pagliarulo. Executive producer, Nikki Kirby. Producer, Saul Ravencraft. Video editors, Magical Miss Entertainment. Miss Made Productions. Witch Hat Chat's theme song, The Middle Witch, by Serena Janini. Magical Miss Entertainment. Miss Made Productions. Sponsored by... Ever moving we ride. Moonlight Places and Charms. Texas Mojo Man. Copyrighted 2020 through 2022 by Nikki Kirby and Witch Hat Trademarks. All rights reserved. All material of Witch Hat Chats is a trademark of Nikki Kirby and Magical Miss Entertainment. This podcast is for information only and is not an offering of sale to any security of Witch Hat Chats trademark or its project or its affiliates. All video, audio, and music are the property of Nikki Kirby and Witch Hat Chats trademark and may not be disclosed, distributed, or reproduced without the express written permission of Nikki Kirby and Witch Hat Chat's trademark.
guest host Antonio Pagliarulo.